Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, this is not the undercard, nor is it the sideshow. This is the main event. My name is Ryan Baldwin. Joined, as always, my right-hand man sitting on my left-hand side, the Mason Shepard. You know it. How are we feeling today, Mason? Feeling good, man. Cold, but I'm good. It is a cold and dreary day outside on this November 3rd of 2021, marking the second episode of the main event. But we are warm inside the green studio here at KNTU, ready to bring about all things sports. And, of course, the big news from last night, the Cinderella story. Has been completed. The Atlanta Braves are World Series champions. Congrats to the over A. the cheating. I mean, the Houston Astros. <laughs> and I gotta tell you, Mason, this is probably one of the better World Series stories uh, in recent memory. Um, is it because the uh, is it because the Braves finally completed it, or is it because they completed it at the expense of the villainous Astros? It's both. And <laughs> really, really, it's kind of the way that the Braves were managing to pull it out. Um, you know, they had a really good roster to start the year and then lost most of their star players wow. and they were not, they did had not been a game over 500 by uh, the mid season point. Yeah. July 11th. And for whatever reason, they completely turned it around. Yeah. And I, um, I think that's good for them. I, I think. When it comes down to this city of Atlanta, Atlanta is a great city, uh, and they deserve to have a champion, you know, since their football and basketball teams aren't doing anything. So, uh, you know, good for the Braves, and I think it's always good to see these stories where a team is like, because the Braves were not expected to make it this far, no. or even to win, let alone win, but make it this far. Oh, yeah, and, halfway through the uh, season. Yeah. They were fifty to one odds to to win the World Series. Two percent chance. That is insane. At midseason, after losing all their star players, I bet that two percent were Braves fans. Oh, you know, <laughs> you know, a Braves fan was like two percent, fifty to one odds. Somebody give me a thousand bucks right now on the Atlanta Braves to win the World Series. Hey, well, you know, they're getting that thousand. They're uh, getting a lot more. They get a lot more than that. They're they're doubling, tripling it even. But uh, God, man, you know, it, but good for them. I think this is how it was. I think when uh Cavs won for Cleveland, and it was just something where it's like, when you haven't had something in years, and then it's finally you have something you can be proud of. So you know, good for Atlanta. Yeah, this will be like when the Cowboys win the Super Bowl this year. You know what? <laughs> you're not having one. You know for what, so Ryan? Long. It scares me that you say that because you are always the skeptic of the group of the fan <laughs> club. You are the skeptic. Look, after the game, we'll get to that. But after the game Sunday, I'm feeling much better. But <laughs> it, it was really, it was a really good story for for the Braves. Yeah, um, Freddie Freeman, a long time uh, Atlanta Brave, like a lifer came on right at the end of like the Chipper Jones era. So he's been around like eight eight years or so now. Yeah. Uh, with the Braves. And he finally won one, you know, rewarded for his loyalty with Atlanta. Yeah. Um Max Freed did a fantastic job pitching last night. He got roughed up in the second game and then absolutely dominated the Astros lineup in game six. And it was really cool to see um just the entire Storyline, you know, game one, you have uh, the Atlanta pitcher breaking his leg and yeah. then retiring three more batters after that. Um, you have Solaire hitting a bomb out of the park at Minimaid in game six, and he had three home runs, was the World Series MVP. Just to, it like, you don't, 
baseball, for whatever reason, those storylines, baseball and college football, those Cinderella storylines seem yeah. to happen a lot more often than in other sports. And I love seeing that. And it's a good, I mean, obviously everybody was rooting against the Astros oh, anyway. Oh, yeah, except uh, except like one Astros fan that we both know. But the, everybody um, was rooting for the Braves anyway. So it I was, think Cinderella stories, as you know, not to cut you off there, but I think Cinderella stories happen more so in college basketball than, than football because that's, you get your Villanovas, you get your Richmonds, your St. Mary's, and whatever. True. But anyway, to your point, yeah, you know, I, I think with the perception of the Astros by teams across like the globe and 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 when it comes to them, I just think I think that makes this the Braves winning this that much sweeter. You know, it could have been like what the Falcons could have done with the Patriots at the Super Bowl, but you know, the villains triumphed at that point. Well, so let's let's kind of talk about the Astros for just a second. Yeah. They've reached the World Series three times in the last five years now. Yeah. And that is to take, you know, despite what they did, <laughs> that it has been a dominant team. Yeah. And really the only cheating that they've been caught for was back in 2017. Yeah. Does the fact that now in those five years, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, that they've made it to the World Series three times one at once, which, yes, they were cheating, but they, they made it three times. Does that kind of not wipe the slate clean, but does that kind of take some people's mind out of it? Because I'm th- or out of, you know, hating because I'm kind of thinking like, you know what? It'd be one thing if they won that that one year and then never won it again. Yeah. But this shows that they were actually a good team. And they, they just, just needed kind of, a little. They, they need, need a little help. Yeah. And let's be real. It's baseball. Everybody cheats in baseball. They were just, they just I, got caught. So. I, in, in in junior varsity baseball, <laughs> I was on second base looking at the trying to get the signs, and I was like, okay, one arm down for a fastball, yeah. two arm down for a breaking ball. You can't tell. It, everybody knows it happens. Yes. But it's the accepted cheating and the non-accepted cheating where you're using the technology to kind of relay that to the batter. Yeah. So, I um, To answer your question, I think it. this is why I say yes. Uh, three words, New England Patriots. <laughs> they were cheating, you know, they were spying on teams, they were doing stuff, but they were winning. And at that time, Brady was there. And yet to this day, he's the GOAT. Yet to this day, the Patriots are one of the best franchises in all of football in the National Football League. And it's because, you know, yeah, people are always, let, let's just make this clear. Nobody's going to forget that the Astros cheated. No one's no. going to forget that. And a lot of people will fight that you should, but people won't. But at the same time, they're a good team. And you can't take that away from them. And, and when it comes to teams and cheating, whether it be football, basketball, baseball, underwater basket weaving, as my colleague likes to say, um, yeah, people are, will talk about it. But when you're good, you're just good. And I think the reason that their cheating gets brought up, honestly, if I'm being honest, I think the Astros cheating would be brought up less if they had only won that one by cheating. Because the more you see them, the more you're going to think, well, they cheated. So, But the less you see them, it's just like, well, yeah, people will be like, well, I guess the cheating thing didn't work out. And then, you know, whatever. But you forget about it. But when you keep seeing them, it's like, oh, okay, the cheaters are back. So I think at some point it's got to, like, just... 
well, it's gonna be get, neutralized. It's gonna get old at some point. Yeah. It, it's kind of like players you find out use steroids. Like when I was watching baseball and like Manny Ramirez was so, knocking stuff out of the park. Yeah, you mean the entire MLB in the nineties? Exactly. <laughs> like when Manny Ramirez, oh, like oh my gosh, this guy is killing it. And then it was like, oh, but he was using performance enhancing drugs. And then people forget about it because it's it's important, but at the same time, it's yeah. But I mean, on the other hand, Barry Bonds was caught red-handed, and people are still giving him the home run crown. So yeah, which I, I don't agree with, just straight up. That mm, not that's I'm not about that. Um, I think once you've cheated like that, you should have it taken away. And I thought the Astros should have had their World Series taken away, but people are gonna just kind of forget about it over time. And because I, I I think I think what people are thinking about with Barry Bonds, and yes, I'm going to go there because I am black. Black man having something in a sport where we weren't supposed to have anything. I, I, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying that's what it comes down to. He's taking it away from a black man, though. He but took it I away know, from Hank Aaron. But still, it's just one of those things where it's just like, I think in this case, it's like, uh, you. I, I think a lot of people will be under the notion of he had the talent still. It was just he relied on the crutch, which was cheating. So then it's the same thing as the Astros. <laughs> Is li- they had the talent. Look, I mean, the, I'm looking at ESPN's way too early 2022 MLB power rankings, and the Astros are third. Yeah. The day after the World Series, we still got the Astros at third. This is literally yeah. the same thing. <laughs> so I'm not sure. Like, eventually, we've all got to be like, okay, yeah, they cheated to get over the hump, but so did, you know, a lot of I other I mean, people. think about it like Reggie Bush in, like, 06. He didn't deserve the Heisman. Vince did. All they did was take the Heisman away from Reggie. That's all they did. Yeah, so take it, take the crown away from the Astros. Take but the crown still, away from Barry. Yeah, but at the same time, but the difference is that crown would be given to someone else, especially from Barry. Like you said, if it was taken away from Barry, okay, now it's Hank Aaron. Now we have someone who didn't cheat. Yeah, we, but you we, could take it away from the Astros without giving it to the other yeah, team. Yeah, no, I know that. But again, that there's the difference. See... With Barry and Hank, that's more similar to Reggie and Vince because that was an award. You can't just award someone a game. But in this case, they just they took it. And yes, I'm a UT fan and it made me mad because <laughs> yeah, oh okay, no bias we're, at all. We're not gonna give it to someone who deserved it. We're just gonna take it from Reggie. No, you know, Re- Reggie got it taken away as he should have. Give it to Vince. And I agree with you. Barry Bonds, he doesn't deserve it. Give it to Hank Aaron. I I I can't really speak for as to why people won't do that. I just think it just comes down to more of a it's it's just a personal thing and this is why I hate sports writers cuz <laughs> god it's it's insufferable. Just as a side note cuz I'm look, still looking at the way too early 2022 power rankings. Uh, yeah. The Atlanta Braves are sitting at 7th, which is not bad, but you would think a team that Lost most of its stars and still managed to win a World Series would be a bit higher than seventh, but I don't, I don't know. I don't. These are why uh, these guys are covering baseball nonstop, and so there's a reason why they have them there. I'm sure. Yeah. But that's far beyond my ability to analyze. <laughs> well, for Atlanta. Yeah. Most importantly, bye bye Astros for another year. Yeah. And uh, boy, baseball's done. That's another sport down. So now we're gonna have to find some other stuff to talk about. I'm so disappointed <laughs> that that baseball's over. You can tell by my voice inflection. It's uh, terrifying. Yes, yes. Now we're on to basketball and baseball and all that other good stuff. But <laughs> not quite just yet nope. because it's still football season. The king sport. The king sport about. in Texas. So we've got some Cowboys and NFL coming up for you here in a little bit. Don't go anywhere.
Welcome back to the main event. My name is Ryan Baldwin, as always, joined by Mason Shepard. Yo. And now we are here to discuss the week of the backup quarterback, as it was in the NFL. An amazing week of games, capped off by Cowboys' own Cooper Rush leading the Cowboys to a 20-16 win over the Vikings. And... I was pleasantly surprised. Who wasn't? I was, Who wasn't? I was not expecting that much from Cooper Rush. 20, Who was? 24 for 40, 325 yards, two touchdowns, and most importantly, no interceptions. He had one. Or one intercept, but not. I wouldn't call that his fault. That was Well, no, but still, it goes on his stat sheet. Yeah. So, a very clean game from Cooper Rush. Yeah. A good game by the defense. Yes. And I just, I'm looking at it going like, oh, well, that's, uh, even though Cooper Rush looks like uh, he is supposed to be playing Andy Dalton in a movie about <laughs> Dak Prescott. Yes. <laughs> like yes. a poor casting decision. Uh, <laughs> he did a very good job uh, managing the game and just generally staying out of trouble, which is really all you want from your backup, right? You don't Something need... Andy can't even do. So, you, yeah, yeah, you know, I give him that. You don't want, you don't, you need somebody that's just going to manage the game and not put the team in an already worse spot because you're already playing the backup. Yeah. And so I was very pleasantly surprised by Me Cooper too, yeah. Rush. I think Cooper Cooper played amazing, amazingly well. And I think what I think the best thing with his performance was nobody knew he was going to be out there until he was out there. And I think Dallas should should keep that kind of mentality of moving in silence because you know, with with the way that Dallas has been doing, especially with Cooper Rush, teams aren't they're thrown for a loop because everybody likes to say, "Oh, Dallas is predictable." The predictable Cowboys, the predictable Cowboys fan club, and all that other stuff. We were very predictable, and now we're like, okay, when we feel like it's right, we're going to let the world know that we got rid of a very complacent linebacker hashtag Jalen Smith, and then <laughs> when the time is right, we're going to let the world see that you know Dak Prescott is going to rest this game. And I think that was brilliant because now the defense is like, okay, we could have Dak, we could have Cooper. More importantly, if they put Cooper in, we're going to stop the run. Because I think that's what the Vikings were expecting anyway, as right. they should have. Because Dak was obviously not going to run it or have to stand back there too many times with, with that injury because uh, they don't want to get it aggravated. So, of course, it was going to be on Zeke and Pollard and for them to be able to show, oh, yeah, but no, we're going to have Cooper Rush hit y'all for, like, over 300 yards passing and, and a couple of TDs. That was very good on Dallas's part, strategic. And excuse me, speaking of, like, defenses, what about our defense shutting down the returning Dalvin Cook for, like, only 78 yards? Because I honestly thought Cook was going to have at least a buck 20, and he didn't have more. That Really, he only had, a, like, 30 yards more than Zeke had. So... Yeah, it was. Um, I was very pleasantly surprised by all the defense except for Diggs. I think Diggs had a bit of a uh, back down to earth type game. You know, he didn't have an interception, uh, tied the which, season opening NFL record, um, which I think he doesn't need to. No, but he had two penalties, one of which was eh, kind of ticky tack for the illegal contact. Did have a very bad pass interference, and then um, lost Adam Thielen on a bootleg and on a fourth and one situation and then was eventually taken out like late in the game for spraining his ankle. Uh, I don't think he's got anything listed right now, but it's still early in the season. Um, 
I mean, but you know what? Honestly, yeah. I think it's good that he had a game like that. Yeah. Not not the ankle part, but no. it's good that he had a game like that where it's like because Adam Thielen is a, an elite receiver. We all know that, and I think it's good for Diggs to be on Thielen and have Thielen kind of take him for a ride a little bit, so Diggs can see, man, I've been playing great but I can't rest on my laurels because I can still have a very bad game yes. and I can blend in and look like Anthony Brown and then people doubt my abilities. And I think uh, it was another one of those ones where we knew from last season, right, that he was kind of that cornerback uh, where he's going to have a fantastic game and then he'll come back and just absolutely get burnt and toasted multiple times. You know, I think the, I think the big question is, so if is Dallas – has this faith in Diggs, which they do, would they, if they had the chance going with those two corners that everybody was like, oh, you got to get him. You got to get those two corners, like the one coming from LSU and the one coming out of South Carolina. Oh, uh, J.C. Horn and J.C. Uh, Horn and uh, Patrick Sertain. Patrick Sertain. From Alabama, yeah. yeah. Do you think that Dallas, as, even us fans, do you think we would have still been clamoring for them if, and, and even we could ask the question, is that what motivated Diggs? The fact that he's from Bama, too, and he's from Bama like Sertain, and yet people were like, eh, we need we need good corners, and then he just stepped up this year. I don't think that's coincidence, to be honest. Uh, I think um, the deal now with corners in the NFL is you can never have too many good corners, right? Ain't that if true? you look at the, t the elite receiving cores on the top teams right now, they are all three, four threats deep. Like, if you look at Tampa Bay— Antonio Brown is the third receiver, and he arguably carries the Bucks a couple a couple of games. Imagine is, having Brown, Evans, and Gronkowski, and Godwin, and Godwin. Like, yeah, you look at that receiving core, and it's, it's incredible. So you have to have at least one or two, not just serviceable, but above average corners to cover those guys. So I do think that looking at those other corners was the right idea. Because I mean, obviously Anthony Brown has stepped up really well too. And uh, I think some Kelvin games, Joseph, not some all games, of them, but I mean, you know, above average, I, some, not all of <laughs> Kelvin I'm... Joseph has been OK. Um, but I, th I think sure he was motivated by it. But I mean, you got to You got to have corners. No, I, I agree. No. And I'm not saying that it would have been bad if they would have gotten them. I'm just saying, you know, when it comes to cornerback, in my opinion, it is one of the hardest positions in the game because it's just one of those things where. In my opinion, that's just that's just the position you can't even really be focused on stats. Like quarterbacks, they can focus on pad and stats. Running backs, they can pad stats. Receivers can pad stats. But when you're playing corner, you don't even have time to think about that. Your time, your time is to think about, I better not get beat. I better do my job. If I'm coming off the the edge for a blitz, I need to hit that edge hard, or I'm going to get pancaked. And I, I think when it comes to corners in general, like you said, in my opinion. Because, you know, three good corners will cost you some. But, you know, like you said, two good corners, mm -hmm. two solid corners, because you have to still have faith in your safeties and your other players. But when it comes to finding a good cornerback, that's why the Legion of Boom was so special. Because you had Sherman. And then the other side of him, you had Brandon Browner. And yep. then back there, you had Chancellor and Thomas. And the unsung here on the defensive line, Michael Bennett. Uh, but you you can never just have too many good corners. And I agree with you that it wouldn't have been bad for them to still look into them at at the time that they did. But we're not going to say that they made a bad choice of no, Micah, Parsons, Micah Parsons. Because Micah big. Parsons is Micah Parsons. <laughs> yeah. He, so, you know, no bad choices there. No. Um, and I think the most important thing about this game is with minus Dak Prescott, you are still 6-1. and one. 
in the NFC right up there with the Packers and the Cardinals uh, for top spot in the NFC. And you play the Broncos this Sunday. Yep. Who barely squeaked out again against uh, NFC East rivals Washington football team. Which I'm glad that they did, yep. you know. Um, so now you have a couple of options going in. Because you do not need to say right now that Dak is starting next week. Like Same I thing s- is this week. Yeah, you like I said, yeah. keep it secret. So, But now the question is, if Dak is not 100%, or even if he's like 95%, I feel okay starting Cooper Rush against the Broncos, especially Broncos that now does not have Von Miller after they traded him away. Yeah, no, again... Keep it. You keep it secret. So, you don't let the Broncos know who to plan for. I mean, here's the thing. The Broncos defense is going to be in shambles because Vaughn is not there anyway. And I mean shambles more so mentally than physically because they don't have that leader there anymore. And no Patrick Sertain. He's exactly. So, no, it's not a matter of, you know, oh, the Broncos defense is this and that. No, it's a matter of if we throw them more curveballs than they're ready to deal with this week then we can take the game in the mental aspect and we can take it in the physical aspect after that. I th- I think the big question that the uh, coaches are going to have to look at this week with regards to Dak is how much do they believe that we can take the number one seed? Like, how sure are they? Because if they are very sure, then they should start Dak. I honestly don't I honestly don't think they should be thinking about that. I would well, want that. I think it does because I think the difference between two and seven is or two and four, because by at this point you're probably winning the you're winning the NFC East. So yeah. you're gonna be either two, three, or four. Yes. The difference between two and four, negligible. Yes. Right? I mean, you're still playing in the super wild card weekend. Yeah. The difference between one, one. and two is huge. Having that extra bye week's a big deal. So if you have that confidence that you can win the first seed, then I think you play Dak. But if you're just like, man, we're not sure about it because we still have to beat Arizona for it. Yeah. Um, Green Bay is on fire right now and is beating Arizona. That's, the Rams that's are in a wild card with, spot at seven and one somehow. Yeah, that's about to change with Green Bay with Rodgers having this COVID thing. True, that's about so to change. They may look at that and go, you know, we are in a unique spot where we have a shot to make the number one seat. Yeah, okay. and if Dax, if Dax ninety five percent or higher, they might go with him just because, it's like, you know, these games matter in terms of getting to number one. One, yeah, they don't matter in terms of getting two through four because those games won't matter until you get to the divisional games. Between Washington or Washington Giants, Washington, yeah, uh, fourteen through sixteen. So it's, I mean, obviously, to your point, you made a good point. I don't think you say anything until game time. Nope. But that's the beauty of it. Is either way they go, I'm fine with it. No, exactly. How long has it been for till we've been able to say that anything yeah. that Dallas does, we're just fine. And this with is it. why I, I was like, I, I every time at my last job, my coworkers said that I was not a true Cowboys fan because while they <laughs> while they were on the Super Bowl bound train every year, I was like, guys, come on, we're like eight and eight at best. Wow. Because the defense was so terrible, and we hadn't seen enough of Dak and Zeke yet. Or Zeke was not very good, but that he there were some other reasons for yeah. that too. But we hadn't seen enough yet, and now we've got a good defense. We have Kellen Moore and Dan Quinn being excellent play callers. The only thing that's kind of got me scratching my head is, oh, ooh, Mike McCarthy in the clutch does not yeah. sound like a fun time. No, but it does not. The way they're playing, 
it hasn't even mattered all that much except for a couple games. And we saw, actually, Dallas got better with clock management yeah. with, with the Vikings. Yeah. Knocked it down to seconds for once. And I was, so I'm looking uh, for, this This has been a long time for me since I've felt this way about a Cowboys Oh, team. me too. But I'm looking at this team going, I, however these next few weeks pan out, I am just fine with it because even if you even if you lose out until Washington, yeah. you go like zero and five, and you're sitting at six and six all of a sudden, you're still gonna be you're still way ahead in the division, and you've got Washington Giants Washington with a chance to wrap up the division before you even get to the last two weeks, and from there you could sit back and play Cooper Rush, and still you might win your next two games. Yeah, that's the point. Like if if we at that point you know are like sitting in a good position. When we play Philly, you know, because Philly would be out to hurt Dak. Yeah. So it would just be like, okay, throw Cooper in there. Yeah. Because we can handle it. And Philly's not that good either. So, you know, I, I just think with the rate Dallas is going, you just got to keep the momentum and you just have to do what you know how to do, which is apparently win. And win well. Yeah. You know, and I, my, my biggest takeaway is that Dallas has finally showed some resolve. They, they believe in themselves. For once. Yes. Like they believe they can win. They believe they're more than eight and eight. And again, that does not go for credit for McCarthy because he is he's not as much of a clapper, but he's close to it. Um <laughs> but that's the Jerry Jones influence. But I, I think when it comes down to Dak Prescott, and we, we can talk about how much Dak Prescott is clutch, but also Dak Prescott is a leader, man. Dak Prescott is without a shadow of a doubt the driving force, the heart of that team. He's the heart of America's team because he he is the man who loves football. He doesn't care. You know, he got he's finally got his money, but he's not pulling a Tank Lawrence and being like, eh, well, you know, I got my money. I, I proved him wrong. I'm good. No, he's like, I want to play. I want to win. I want to be the best. And that has finally woken Zeke up because he lost 10 pounds and is, you know, holding the football not like a loaf of bread anymore. And it has finally gotten Dallas to realize we are better than eight and eight. As a matter of fact, we can be good. We can be we can be great. Why don't we start playing like it? Again, we could have won at Tampa. Yep. We just made some key mistakes. We were very close. I I think if Dak had had a, a couple of preseason games under his belt there, I think he'd probably come out and win that game just because I think he was a slow start. And if you take away the slow start, you probably win. But that's a whole way. Yeah, yeah. We can debate that all day long. We <laughs> yeah, can debate that whether all day preseason long. matters yeah. or not. Um, the rest of the NFL this week pretty much went as kind of designed, in my opinion, Ex except for the New York Jets. Yeah, taking out this. The see uh, top uh, what what Cincinnati Bengals. Uh huh. With who was the man who said Bengals to the Super Bowl? Me. Exactly. Look, hey, they're not out of it yet. I didn't look, say they were out of it, look. but come on, man, when you lose to the Jets. When you lose to the Jets. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The Buccaneers lost to Trevor Simeon and the Saints. Hey, but, hey, but, but, but that is a rivalry game, and Bucks and Saints will always be close. I've always learned that rivalry games will always be a dogfight, so that doesn't even count. We are talking about the New York Jets. The Jets. And Bengals lost, okay? Well, I know that doesn't crucify them totally, but that's embarrassing. If you, we if we've learned anything from Tom Brady, it's that Mike White is now going to be uh, a seven time uh, Super Bowl <laughs> winner, multiple year MVP, 
Mike White's on the fast track at this point. But see, Mike White doesn't have the ring that Tom Brady has. But Tom Brady, at least it has a certain <laughs> ring to it. Mike White, no, that, that doesn't have a ring to it. Uh, he may put a ring on it, but that doesn't have a ring to it. Yeah, it was uh, It was overall, besides that, I think pretty... It was pretty normal. Pretty straightforward. pretty normal. Uh, Steelers, the Steelers and the Browns, I was kind of... That was a little by. surprising, but again, rivalry. So. Yeah, and, and the Browns, I mean, Baker Mayfield with his shoulder just doesn't look right. And <laughs> speaking of the Browns, uh, I don't know if anybody else has saw it, but I'm sure you've seen the Odell Beckham Sr. Uh, Instagram post detailing all the times that Baker missed uh, Odell Beckham Jr. while he was open. And interestingly enough, missing from practice today was Odell, Odell Beckham, Beckham Jr. Jr. And to his father, I say, sit down, LeVar Ball Jr. <laughs> um, no, because, look, I- I'm it is sorry. A bad look. I'm sorry. Your son is not as good as you think that he is. Odell Beckham Jr. was a flash in the pan. He is very talented with his hands, very good hands, but people forget Jarvis Landry was the one who started doing that first, and he got Odell to start doing it. True. That's one. Two, Landry can do all the same stuff, if not better, and Landry is a better route runner than Odell is, and he's just as fast. And in my opinion, Landry's a lot tougher. Landry can take those hits and keep moving. Odell, he's like, I got to make sure I don't get hit because if I do, I don't know if I'm going to get back up. Look, man, Odell Beckham Jr., he's got the talent, but he got too concerned with making himself a brand than he was actually making himself a better football player. And I just think, you know, and this is how I I believe that. When you want to make yourself a better football player, you're not going to fight Josh Norman on the field and make yourself look like a child. You're going to be like, you know what, man, this clown thinks he's better than me. I'm going to prove him wrong. That wasn't even a fight. That was a dirty, dirty hit. Yes, without a doubt. You know, because they were jockeying back and forth, and both of them, both of them had one good year, and mm. then it's just, oh, no, Hey, Norman's been looking good over on the Rams. Yeah, right no, now. No, oh, sorry, that was Jalen Ramsey. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's my point. And, and it's just, with when it comes down to when, whether you want to be your uh, want to be a brand, then you're like, oh, I can't let this guy punk me. You know, I, I have to. I've got to do something about it. And look, Odell is when you become more famous for the stuff you do on the sidelines. No, I'm sorry. Like slamming your helmet down, kicking the the, the field goal thing, and the bounce. field goal kick, <laughs> field goal thing kicks back. At exactly, you. hits you in the head. It, it's ridiculous. And he, um, and for his father, look, Baker Mayfield may be a lot of things that a lot of people don't like. But when you are calling out the quarterback of the team your son plays for. Because he's missed your son who hasn't proven he can stay healthy and hasn't proven to be an asset. Dude, sit down somewhere. Oh, see, that's the thing. You can say what you want about Baker, but at his core, he is a competitor and he wants to win. Yes. So to suggest that he is going to like throw games by not throwing to OBJ on purpose and lose games that way is absurd. I just don't think that's his character. No, you can say not. what you want about him. He's like maybe overly competitive, and he does some stupid stuff on the field. Manzo. Yeah, but he genuinely wants to win and is competing the whole time. So yes. I just don't think that's in his character. No, it's not in his character. But it, it it's one of those things where it's like when your son has faded because this is the thing when your son has become an afterthought, right? You become. Oh, no, I can't let my son become an afterthought. Let me say this flippant stuff that will get people's attention. And all that does, it just divides the team. 
But it doesn't matter because OBJ will be out of Cleveland. Right. That he's going to leave. And but the, but see, here's the thing: when he goes to another team, are we going to get OBJ or oh. are we going to get Odell Beckham Jr.? Because there get, is a difference. You're going to get the same thing because when he signed with the Browns, that was the narrative: was oh, the Browns are the team for him. He's joining all this talent. He, and he's he's going to have a Jarvis. Yeah, he's going to have a revitalized career. And here we are, a few short years later, right back where we started. Exactly. Another week down in the NFL. Cowboys take on the Broncos this Sunday. I'm looking forward to the inevitable inevitable suspense of who, who is the starting quarterback. Oh, that's going <laughs> to be Sunday. interesting. That's going to be fun. Coming up next, we had the first release of the college football playoff official rankings. And, uh, well, they're kind of a doozy. There's been some controversy already. Let's let's get to it, man. Let's talk about it. Stepping right back into the main events. Ryan Baldwin, Mason Shepard. Yo. Still here, still ready to talk football because the college football committee, the college football playoff committee released their rankings. These are the first rankings of the year. And much to the confusion of a lot of people, (laughs) they are not the same as the AP rankings or the coaches poll that uh, most broadcasters use for uh, rankings throughout the year. These are completely different. And already, the less than 24 hours afterwards, we have controversy. Because, of course, we have controversy in college football playoff rankings. Yep. Number one, Georgia. No one is surprised. Yeah. Number two, Alabama. Yeah. Three, Michigan State. Eh. Four, Oregon. Eh. Five, Ohio State. Eh. Six, Cincinnati. Eh. Seven, Michigan. Eh. Eight, Oklahoma. Eh. Nine, Wake Forest. What? Ten, Notre Dame. Oh my! And we're not. We don't really care about the rest of them because for the college football playoff, they only take the top four. Okay, everything after the last four was just completely wrong. <laughs> everything was no. I I for one am finally glad that Cincinnati has dropped out of number two. Yeah, I look. We saw the game with Tulane. We saw it, and even before that, we had talked about how you know. They play in the, you know, American Athletic Conference, you know, and they're about to move to the Big 12. But what competition? You know, we had talked about it. And we had talked about, yeah, let's see them prove themselves. And when you struggle against Tulane and then the second half you realize what's at stake and then you play, it's it's embarrassing. It just kind of already shows, you know, and, you know, Cincinnati there. They're a great story, but it won't be a Cinderella story. Here's the deal. Because SMU lost, Cincinnati no longer has a ranked team to play at the end of the year. Yep. Their only win of any consequence is Notre Dame. They have the 100th strongest strength of schedule in college football out of like 120-some-odd teams. Yeah, Their strength of schedule is terrible, and I'm sorry— what would you expect from a team in the American Conference? But it's a group of five team. You yes. have to have— it just because other teams are playing in the SEC, yeah, or the Big Ten or the Big Twelve, you have to have more than one quality non-conference win. That's just how it is. These other teams are playing teams that would 
whip you six ways a Sunday, nine times out of ten, on a regular basis. Yeah. And for Cincinnati to be number six, I don't think is unfair. I know a lot of people are complaining about it, and I know a lot of people are like, oh, well, this just shows that it's a Power Five Invitational. Well, yes, that's why they're the Power Five, and you are Group of Five. I, that, I, I will never understand that argument. W- what do they want? Do they want Dartmouth to be playing Cornell? Yeah. The point of the college football playoffs is to find the four best teams in college football yes. that year and have them play against each other. If you're telling me that Georgia and Alabama are not two of them, then you're wrong. That is true, yes. Oregon? No. They beat Ohio State, and I think that's what they have going for them. But Uh, other than that, I don't think they beat anybody either. Look, Oregon doesn't deserve to be in that. What did you say? That we're third? Fourth. Michigan State's third. And Michigan State had a good win against Michigan. Okay. okay. I'll, I'll get to why that's debunked in a minute. But... Look, Oregon doesn't deserve to be there because yeah, they're 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 winning games against who? And and you talk about Ohio State and you bring that Ohio State is still overrated in my opinion. So then who is in besides Georgia, Alabama, who's up there for you? I just God. Um I'm sensing a lot of hate, but not a whole lot of solutions no, as to Well, you know that that that's our society. Hate but no solution. Uh <laughs> no God. Um you know what? I will. I, you know, I, I will take this back. I will give Michigan State this for now because they did beat yes, I mean, an in-state their their big rivalry game. Somebody's going to drop out of that if only because they still have to play Ohio State and they still have to play Penn yeah, State, so, who's not ranked anymore but can take a game. Yeah. Off so I will. I will. I you know, and it's a different. It's variety. Michigan State hadn't been there all the time, so I will give that to Michigan. As far as number four, see, that's the tough one because. There are a lot of teams who just don't deserve to be in these positions. And I think that when you take into account, like, okay, yeah, Ohio State, sure, number four, because they beat Penn State. But it, it just gives this more opportunity. And, and the reason I'm reluctant to do it, because, yes, if you ask me my list, then I would say Georgia, Bama, Michigan State, Ohio State. You know, unfortunately, I don't, I don't want Ohio State in there because I still think they're overrated, but I know that they would be in there. But at the same time, when you have – and the only reason Ohio State's in this is because all this ludicrous nonsense. Wake Forest number nine? Are you kidding me? This is ludicrous. It's nonsense. It's uh, – well, like we talked about last week, it's the uh, undefeated bias that you get for for jumping in there. Yes, there's undefeated bias. But also, think about the fact of who they – this is what they need to start thinking about. Think about who they're playing – it's Wake Forest. Old Dominion, Norfolk State, Florida State, Virginia, Louisville, Syracuse, Army, Duke so far. Tell me any of those teams that, that you cared about that Wake Forest beat them. Tell me any of those teams that matters. None of them. And they're number nine. Ridiculous. Tell me any team that Oregon has beaten besides Ohio State that is worth anything right now. Uh, one second. Uh, let's see. We got Fresno, Ohio State. Um, an FCS team, Arizona, Stan. Oh, they lost to Stanford, California, UCLA, and Colorado, with no ranked games coming up. Exactly, nothing. Look, it it whoever makes it out of this. Honestly, I think that's the only way Cincinnati sneaks into the top four is if Oregon drops a game, 
and Michigan State wins against Ohio State, and Ohio State drops another game against like Michigan and that won't happen. And uh, Penn State, like if that Big Ten bloodbath just kind of ends up with a couple of two win teams, I think maybe Cincinnati sneaks in. But man, I just I don't know. I obviously this is why we need expansion because we're looking yes. at this going like I agree with the top three, but four through ten could just be a toss up. Yes. And see, that's the thing. That's another reason why we need an expansion because I can sit here, which I will do because I like doing it and because I'm right. But I can I can sit here and talk about how these teams like Ohio State, Oklahoma, and all this other stuff are overrated, which they are. But at the same time, when this is literally every pattern of every year, unfortunately, even someone like me who is negative about it still has to put Ohio State in the top four, which they don't deserve to be in. They don't deserve to be there because, again, who has Ohio State beaten that they're not expected to? Well, it, I would argue if you're expected to beat everybody you come across, that makes you one of the top four no, teams. No, 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 yeah. no. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is because that's that's basically Bama. Bama is expected to beat everybody they come across. That's different. What I mean with Ohio State is it was like we, what we talked about last week. Their success depends on, oh, if they can beat Penn, if they can beat Michigan, Michigan State. They're expected to beat them. And it's just one of those things where it's like they did beat Penn State. Whoop de doo. That's not that's not anything out of the ordinary. And when you think past who they play, who do they play past those guys? That is worth anything. Um, Minnesota has been okay. Tulsa, no. Akron, no. Rutgers, no. Maryland, no. IU, nah. Um, then they've got like you've got Nebraska, Purdue, Michigan State, Michigan. Now, if you beat Michigan State and Michigan. You have to. You're, you're number yeah, well, three. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. So I will give them that. If they, well, okay, they're going to beat Michigan. Michigan State actually looks like a game this year, so I'm excited for that. But Purdue and 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 no, no, no. I just I I don't know, man. I these these rankings are ridiculous. Just kind of a headache too. They're ridiculous. Like, it's a ridiculous so headache. Let's, let's let's take a look at the top twenty. The AP top twenty-five again. Keep in mind the AP top twenty-five is what broadcasters all over the country use. use up until the CFP. And I don't even know if they're not going to use the CFP after this, or I don't know if they yeah. switch to it or what. Uh, so both of them have Georgia number one. Okay. The AP still has Cincinnati number two, mm. with Alabama three, and then OU number four. And I know I can sense the frustration from over there, but there's I mean I rolled my eyes so much that if I kept rolling them, they'd be on the floor. I Jesus. think I think the fact that CFP actually put OU at number eight is like the one thing that they got relatively right and not relatively, four but you know because OU they have could, beaten nobody and they've struggled to beat nobody. OU OU could be sitting at 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 sixteen. I wouldn't care. They could be sitting at sixteen. They that's where they deserve to be. But oh my gosh, okay. First of all, I would just like to say to anybody, to the people at the AP poll that put OU number four, I can see that if we took your brain and rolled it towards a drinking straw, it would look like a kernel of corn going into a storm drain. Anyway, so, God, you, God, no, OU has struggled to beat every team that they've played, and yet they're number four. Okay, fine. Let them be number four and let them go against teams who win definitively and watch them get stomped. Here's here's the thing that really bugs me. AP has OU at number four, but Michigan State at five. Yes! Even though Michigan State's coming off of a, a win against Michigan and OU has coming off a win against nobody. That's the thing. Look, look. OU in Texas is the big game of the year, in my opinion. And then you have Michigan, Michigan State, which is the other big game of the year. Yes, they both won those games, but and they were both close, but Michigan State showed 
hey, we're not going to let Michigan knock us around. We're going to play football. OU was just like, yeah, we're going to wait for Texas to trip over themselves and tire out, and then we're going to capitalize on that. No, OU does not deserve to be number four. That is ridiculous. Like I said, corn storm drain. Ridiculous. I'm trying to figure out just how this is all going to shape up in the next few weeks. I can't wait to see how this is going to work. This is uh, baffling, to say the least. I would say, I mean, I would say Cincinnati would have a better chance if SMU hadn't lost to Houston and was still ranked, because then you at least have one more ranked opponent on your schedule. It was SMU in the first place. Yeah, it, but it was still a ranked team. It was which take. You have I mean, to take what into consideration. I mean, in my opinion, what helps them more right now is the fact that Notre Dame got bumped up. Wait, wait, where is Notre Dame in the AP list? Uh, eight and AP ten in college football. See, that's playoffs. what I'm saying. Notre Dame is like eight. I mean, if you ask me, that helps them too. That would sure. on, that honestly helps them more because what is SMU to Notre Dame? I mean, not that Notre Dame deserves to be there anyway. I'll be honest. Uh, Notre Dame hasn't exactly played anybody either. Nobody has. Florida State, Toledo. Purdue, Wisconsin, then lost to Cincinnati, uh, Virginia Tech, USC, UNC. None of those I cared about. Wisconsin None. at least is ranked, but I mean, this. I mean, oh God, why is? Oh God, everybody, everybody gets to be ranked. You can be ranked. I you can have be ranked. Twenty-five spots. You got to fill them with somebody. But they're filled with people who are undoubtedly not deserving to be there. So then, so the solution is to. I, okay, hold on. Here's a, here's a thought. What, Ryan? Here's the thought. What's the thought, my man? What if next season we didn't have an AP Top 25? I honestly would not be against and that. And then you roll out with a college football playoff Top 12, and you, or you just do whatever the extended it is. They're saying 12 teams 12. You know, for a CFP Top 12. Nobody knows who's 13 through 25 because nobody cares. Exactly. And then during the season, there's no, like, bias from like the AP polls towards the CFP and there's no like oh well so we have Cincinnati number two for the whole year and the college football playoff committee rightly goes well are they really though I think that would be a great idea yeah 100% I think if you just go no AP top 25 next year and have just the 12 teams that are going to make it into the college football playoff or whatever they expanded to in the CFP released later in the year it's a wild card at that point. And yes, you have that's no what bias. it needs to be. You have no bias from the AP polls about... To put the popular teams and the teams yes. that draw television ratings. Yes. Or or the teams that are 8-0 and o against nothing, like Cincinnati. Goofs. Yeah, who are ranked 2 all year. I guarantee the only reason they're ranked 6, even, is because they were at 2 all year in the AP polls, right? Yeah. If they were ranked, like, 15 in the AP polls all year, I bet... OU or Michigan uh, slides up above them to number six. But see, the thing is, the AP poll, like we said, is the one that that we use. So Cincinnati, why do we will, need it, Cincinnati will still be ranked number two this week anyway. So right. it doesn't matter. But why do we even need it if we it doesn't matter? Exactly. We don't. We don't I, need I've it because— I've always criticized the AP poll for being a popularity contest, and yeah. it is. And the reason that Cincinnati is still sitting number two, despite them struggling to beat Tulane, which is like having a football team outside your house and playing in the front yard, is because they want it would be massive ratings if it was a Cinderella story for Cincinnati to win anything, which they won't past a stupid bowl game. Yes. And I, I for one, I don't always agree with the college football playoff committee, but I do think they got it right with Cincinnati. I think they have to prove that they have to win out, win big, and get help because their yes. strength of schedule is just not good enough to qualify as top four in the country. Ryan, a lot of these teams' strength of schedule is not that good enough. No, but it's I, just not. In a power, the Power Five conference, whether you like it or not, 
automatically gets you better consideration just because of the conference you have to play in. Well, that's obvious, yes. And if you come out on top, you get put in, which I understand. don't like it, move to a Power 5 conference like Cincinnati are doing. Yeah. I mean, uh, you tell me if if Cincinnati is in the Big 12 this year with this record, they're up there. Easy number four. Easy number three they, or four. They could beat OU, which I'd be happy about. Yes. that. So you, but I understand that when the college football playoff originally came out, they kind of marketed it as the, oh, well, you know, this gives group of five a chance. You got to be realistic here. They were grading it on the same basis that they were when they were just doing number one, two. See, this is my thing. Are we really, and, and I don't mind it, are we really going to have this conversation to smarten up small football school fans as to why that their team is not going to be in this position? It should not be this much of a conversation. Well, I'm not guaranteeing that anybody, any small school people are listening to us Well, right it now. doesn't matter so. because at the end of the day, we're still going to say it anyway. Look, people, I understand that. We would all like to see variety. No, We talked about this last week. Nothing is wrong with variety. But in the words of my friend Ryan here, we need to be realistic. And the reality is if you think that your small school is going to outrank in, in terms of, oh, we're just going to push them aside, teams like Ohio State, OU, Michigan State, or Bama, you are absolutely crazy. No, yeah. that will never happen. Now, if those teams are terrible, then sure. Then sure, yeah. But, the, I mean, Alabama lost to one game to Texas A&M, and A&M is now ranked 14th. So, And I know the Aggies, they you, hate that. They one, hate it. Your one loss is to a four, rank 14. Yeah. Oregon's one loss is, apparently they took this into account. They lost to Stanford, but their offensive coordinator was not there for, uh, I think, health concerns. So they took that into consideration, apparently. And apparently. Ohio State's one loss is to Oregon. So they're... They, one, two, three, four, five. They've all had good seasons against much better opponents than you're playing against in the American Athletic Conference. Straight up, bar none. And if you don't like it, move conferences, which is what Cincinnati, BYU, all these teams are doing because they're just like, you know. And actually, that could probably hurt them. Yeah. Because now with the extension talks or the expansion talks for the CFP, they are talking about the top ranked uh, or the uh, conference, each conference champion, the top five comp- conference champions automatically get a bid. Yeah. So honestly, Cincinnati, you kind of just hurt yourself by going to the Big 12 because now you have much stiffer, well, maybe not with UT and OU leaving, but you still have stiffer competition to win the Big 12 and get into the college football playoff than you would have if you had just stuck in the American oh, Athletic no, because Conference Cincinnati and won the championship. St- Cincinnati could still lose to, to Iowa State because Iowa State's not a joke. They could still lose to West Virginia. And another school is staying that is going to be running rampant on them. It's called Baylor. Yeah, Baylor is not going to take uh, lie down to Cincinnati, and Oklahoma State won't either. Or Tech. I mean, there's no like gimme games in the Big no. 12. No, you know, you play T- you play Kansas. You know, eh, that, that's okay. A gimme. I, I take that's that a back. There are some gimme that's games. A, that's a gimme game. TCU too. You play them for the foreseeable gimme. future. My, but no, but no. Patterson's so yeah, out. it's going to be hard for them. Good on them. Uh, you know, and uh, I just think yes, I want to see variety, and I promise you, if I see Saban and them back in that championship game, I'm going to lose my mind. But at the same time, Bama, and the reason they get excluded from talks about week schedule, because you can look at Bama's schedule as far as like teams are playing in conference championship games and Bama's playing Richmond University. But at the same time, Bama has proven, unlike Cincinnati, they can go on a mainstream level and face LSU or face 
a big name school and whoop them. So, you know, it's just kind of one of those things. That's why they get excluded from this type of type of talk because they can prove themselves. Yeah. Georgia can too. Mm -hmm. So if you think about it, I'm not going to say they earn it, but at the same time, they kind of do when they want to play like Syracuse and beat and beat up on them. They kind of earn that because they can still prove they can win. Yeah. Ohio State, Oklahoma have not shown that they can win games that are important besides Penn State or whatever because they just they're overrated. They're not that good. It is the inherent benefit of playing in the in a conference like the SEC that your non-conference games do not have to be as strenuous because. You are playing in the SEC, which is the unanimous best conference in college football and has been for the past like five, six years. Well, you know, because you've got Bama, you got Georgia, you got Florida, you got LSU, you got Mississippi State, you got Old Miss. Yeah. So anybody could really just pop up, even Tennessee sometimes. So, no, I agree. It, it, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, the SEC is the best conference. So any game that you play that's SEC related is going to be hard. Seven SEC teams in the top twenty-five. Is that doesn't surprise me. Seven. That does not surprise me. Well, I just I don't know. It, I I want some expansion because I think it'll be more fun overall. But for yeah for this uh, level that we have right now for these teams, you have to have what you actually consider the top four teams in the country. That's what this is designed to do. Yes. As opposed to just one and two, and it was supposed to be more inclusive. But I'm sorry, when you only got four, there's just not a chance. I mean, it's got to be something really special like Clemson was. Yeah. At the time. Yeah. It's got to be something special. You can't just have a good season yeah, no. in the American Athletic Conference and expect to think that you're one of the top four teams realistically just not going to happen when we get to 12 teams 16 teams yeah you're gonna make it that way yeah but until then you cannot complain when your strength of schedule is 100 out of 128 out of 128 and wake forest is 98 so don't even start wake forest either. exactly no don't even start there i would start cincy before wake forest to be honest with you because that's ridiculous all right <laughs> i'm just saying I, I i just i uh i think uh we've talked all that that we can there i don't know that there's much that much more to break without down. telling certain schools what we really think of them there's a uh, it's obviously going to change here um in the next few weeks because the college football schedule just keeps rolling on you got the big 10 all playing each other georgia and alabama will play each other in the conference championships which will probably decide who goes one two i bet the loser probably stays in the top four though um, that's without a doubt so unless something ca catastrophic happens you're looking at Georgia, Bama, and then whoever else. Yeah. And we'll have to see how that comes up in the coming weeks. Yeah. You know, I, I, you know, but see, I like that. I like how it's Georgia, Bama, we'll see who else. Yeah. Not Georgia, Bama, Ohio State, and blah. No. Yeah. I, I do like a little bit of, of, of drama down the line instead yes. of having it set up. Because right now, like, think of it. Like, if we were not in the college football playoff and you're just doing the national championship game like we did before, you're looking at, well, okay, I guess it's Georgia, Bama. And then the committee gets a bunch of flack if they don't pick, like, because if it's Georgia-Bama 1-2, and then you have Bama losing to Georgia, are you really going to say that they're not deserving of number two? Yeah. Maybe just to get somebody other team in there, but yeah. come on, they're probably the second best team. So that'll do it for college football. A bunch of games coming up this week, next week, the week after. All those are going to determine more seedings, and we'll take a look at those as that comes up. Yeah. And 
coming up next. Speaking of up. Speaking we of are up. going to get feisty because feisty, we're going to talk about what grinds our gears in sports. Yep. And uh, if you know us, we got some opinions. Very much so. Don't go anywhere. Don't. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the main event. Brian Baldwin, Mason Shepard, you know the deal, man. here, always talking sports, and of course, all things sports adjacent. And that's where we are headed right now. Yep. Sports adjacent, adjacency, adjacency. <laughs> I like that word. We're gonna go sports adjacency. Adjacency, huh? Yeah. Mason, let's talk a little bit about what really grinds our gears in sports. What wow. really gets us heated? Because we're we we are uh, opinionated people, and that's very what, much. That's why we want to do this. For very a much so. Uh, you know I, what? What really bothers me? I will tell you what bothers me as a sports fan is when athletes don't do what's right outside of their sport. Because in my opinion, that proves you don't have love for the sport. Um, you could look at your Antonio Browns. You could look at your Chad Ochocinco's. You could look at a whole bunch of people, and recently you could look at Henry Ruggs. Because it's just one of those things where, yes, you know, here's a perfect example of someone who may have done some bad things but loved the game. T.O., you can say what you want about Terrell Owens, but he loved football. And he was not going to do anything outside of football and outside of the locker room to jeopardize him being able to play. Like, yeah, we know locker room cancer and, you know, saying stuff, being outlandish with his comments and whatever and being outspoken. But... When it when it came time to him being at home, he you never heard about a DUI, DWI, a murder, or, or sexual assault. Nothing. To carried himself off the field. I won't say like a model citizen, but you know what I mean. Right. He carried himself off the field like someone who loved the game of football and was not going to sacrifice his career to be a complete moron. And I think when you see people like Ocho Cinco. Who was in it for the fame and the money, and you see it with someone who at for AB who at a time was in it because of the branding, and it's it's just silly, man, and it bothers me because it's just like you're letting because when you let people down in sports, you let so many more people down than just yourself. You let down your team, you let down your family, and in this Henry Ruggs case, you costed someone their daughter, excuse me, a sister, potentially a mom. You don't know what. As well as costing yourself a career and all that other stuff. So, and don't forget lots and lots of money. Yes. Which is the least important thing. But, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, that's what bothers me is one of the things that bothers me that grinds my gears, I guess you could say, that makes me angry is uh, athletes who just don't take care of themselves off, off the field to the court, man. I am right there with you because you have millions of dollars in place. You are in a far better spot than the average citizen is in America. You, the leagues now are basically required as part of the CBA and as part of these agreements to have systems in place for you. The NFL and the Raiders both have a driver service. And Henry Ruggs decided he was going to go get absolutely smashed, blood alcohol level of .161, twice the legal limit, and he went and killed a 23-year-old woman and her dog 
at 3.40 Tuesday morning. Driving 156 miles an hour. He has everything in place. I'm a broke college student, and I can get a lift when I know I've had too much. And you're telling me that you are so selfish with all these opportunities in place, with all this money, that you're just going to throw it all away and ruin not only your own life, his, the mother of his child was in the car, could have killed her, could have orphaned his kid. You, Like you said, you have removed somebody's daughter, possibly a wife, possibly a mother from this earth. And he is up for 26 years. And if, in my opinion, if he doesn't get at least 15, there's no justice in this world. That is an embarrassment to the sport. It's an embarrassment to your family. And let's not forget, this is the guy that holds up a number three whenever he makes a big play in honor of his childhood friend who died in a car crash in 2016. You have also besmirched his name because now everybody, like myself, is going to bring it up whenever we talk about this. You have the entire world at your fingertips. You are in the NFL. You are a star on the Las Vegas Raiders. First round draft pick. And you throw it all away. And for what? To go joyriding. While drunk. While uh, drunk. You know, man, I, I think what it comes down to is there will, and let's just be real, there will never be enough justice. And I can say this as a black man in America. There will never be enough justice when it comes down to uh, anybody who takes anybody's life. Because, sure, you get your life taken away as far as your freedoms. You're not allowed to go to the drugstore whenever you want and, and the grocery. But there's someone here who's never going to be here again. There is someone who mattered to people who they will never see again. So, And I've always learned this from my father. Jail will all will never supersede that. Prison will never supersede that. Your family, your friends will just not be here for a limited time. You will just not have a career path that you can go back to, which you deserve. But that girl will never, ever be able to come back on this earth again or her pet. And I think that's one of those things where we talk about these things because, yeah, we could talk about Blake Griffin breaking his hand on some clown's face in a bar and that being not taking care of yourself. And that's true. And, you know, Blake Griffin was a moron for that. But we're going but we're talking about something more serious than that, because this is not football. This isn't basketball. This isn't an entertainment program. This isn't America's Got Talent. This is real life. And when you make these decisions that affect other people besides you, you've named so many other people that this has affected. His baby mom, who was his girlfriend, who's still his girlfriend, his baby mom, uh, his team, that woman, her dog, her family. Those are just like five benefactors who are not even factoring, really, who are not benefiting from any of this. And when you take into account that, it could have been avoided. That's, I think, what bothers me the most. This is a what-if situation. What if? Same thing with Steve McNair. What if he was with his wife and not with his mistress? What if? You know, it's sad when we have to ask ourselves these questions. What if Kareem Hunt? What if the Browns kicker? What if um, Joe Mixon had showed restraint and not hit women? How would we remember them now? What if, what if Ray Rice didn't knock his wife out? What if? 
And it bothers me when we have to ask ourselves these what if questions because this is something that it's different if somebody gets cancer, which, you know, knock on wood, nobody should get. It's terrible. But what if, you know, if somebody gets cancer, you can't what if that, you know, you can try, but it doesn't it won't change anything. Right. But when you when you what if when somebody dies or when you physically harm someone that you love, you can't just rebuild yourself from that. You, I know we talk bad about people like Josh Gordon who can't stay off the pipe long enough to really perfect himself at his craft. But at least he hasn't killed anybody. You know what I mean? And I know the heat is going on the fact that he killed somebody. But let the heat go on the fact that he should have known better. Let the heat go on the fact that this is someone you just read. You just read it out loud on the air. $1.1 million home. Won't be seeing that for a while. Nope. Had a kid. Had a wife. Won't be seeing them for a while. Had a career that allowed him to make the money to live in a $1.1 million home. Won't be doing that ever again. Mm-mm. My mom always taught me this, and I'm going to say it here on the air. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to take this with you. Is it worth it? Was it worth getting ripped in order to drive and kill someone? Was it worth spending that time in the hospital with you and your girlfriend? Was it worth throwing your career away? Was it worth having someone life be taken from them? Was it worth it? And I bet you right now, right now, Henry Ruggs would say no. But see, that's what bothers me, and that's what gets me hot. If you're saying no now, you should have said no then. A hundred percent. Just because it... The, the weather was worth it shouldn't change depending on whether or not you got caught or got in trouble. Exactly. And it, it, it bothers me when we have to get to this point. We could really, you know, this is a sports show, so we can't go too deep into societal conflicts. But this is what I, we need athletes to think about. This is why you can say what you want. You could say he's not better than him or whatever. But LeBron James, and nobody's perfect. He's made mistakes off the court. But overall... You cannot name me an athlete that has carried themselves better off the field or out of their sport than LeBron James. As far as, like, he's intentional about helping his community, and he's intentional about being a person that people can look up to. Like, yeah, he's not perfect. He has made some mistakes. But, again, hasn't killed anybody, and he knows the mistakes that he's made, and he's rectified them. You can't tell me that athletes who do that are people who you know people like oh you're pretentious just play sports no they are people that know that what they do matters and they are willing to make a positive impact that's why Floyd Mayweather as many matters as he wants is still a low-life human being because he doesn't use any of that money that he throws around like water and wastes to help anybody he doesn't use it to build schools he doesn't use it to help communities he hoards it for himself and that is what I'm talking about when I say athletes need to think about the impact of what they should do on and off away from their sport. LeBron James makes a lot of money, and guess what? He gives it to charity. He gives, Of course, he keeps it for himself, obviously. But he, he gives it out. He does more things with it than buy himself a new car, a new watch, a new girlfriend like Floyd Mayweather does. I agree 99% with you. I think the only person who has done more for a community or been like less in trouble is Dirk. Dirk does so much for the Dallas community, and he's never once been in trouble for anything. I'm I'm just saying, Dirk ain't built a school. I'm I'm just saying that's true. But he is at the you know he's at the Children's Hospital like every Christmas. Yeah, again, not saying Dirk is bad. Dirk is great. Dirk Dirk is great. But I'm just saying, 
built the school, man. I'm, I'm several actually. So, you know, but 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 regardless, and it's not a competition. That's why I low key kind of hate the Walter Payton Man of the Year award because it's a competition of people who do good things, which Just I will never understand. Things, yeah. I will never understand why it's a competition. But anyway, but that's my thing. You know, and we'll get into more stuff that grinds our gears, but I just want to say on this specific thing, when you know the impact you have, or in this case, rugs hadn't made an impact on children, but when you know that you have a lot to lose and you know that what's wrong is wrong and what's right is right, do the right thing. Do the right thing. Don't be immature. And it's 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 a shame. It's sad. It's ridiculous. It's pathetic. I don't feel any sympathy for him whatsoever because he did this. He did it to himself. You know, normally when people take a life by accident, you know, you, you feel bad for them because that's something they have to live with. I don't I don't feel bad for him. I don't. Yeah. I can't say that I do no. because he caused this. So he needs to live with it. This is this is pathetic, man. Yep. And we could sit here and list the names of everybody that's ever done a DUI and done something wrong. But yeah, at the end of the day, these are athletes who are thrust into positions of idolization by the masses. And you have to be aware that, sure, you might get away with some stuff because you're, you know, uh, got a lot of money, celebrity, whatever. But you are held to a higher standard than the rest of society as well. And that's all the that's all the great stuff that comes with it and all the responsibilities that come with it. Should I do the Spider-Man quote? With great with, power with, comes, comes great, great responsibility. responsibility. I wish no honestly, I wish more people would 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 look at that and actually see that it holds true to life in the sense of what what we do and the way we carry ourselves, especially when you're a public figure. Yeah. I mean, the only person I give credit to for admitting that they're not a public figure was was I mean well admitting that they were not a role model was Charles Barkley. Yeah. I give him credit. He admitted sure. it. He was like, I don't want kids looking up to me. I'm not a good guy as enough as it is. Perfect. That's fine. As long as you recognize that and admit that, that's fine. But if you're not going to acknowledge it, or you know you don't, if you want to conduct yourself that way, you have to acknowledge it. Yeah. Let's move on to something slightly less depressing <laughs> after um, that. Okay. I, well, this is what grinds our gears. So I don't know. <laughs> I yeah. don't know how uh, this is going to be. This is not nearly depressing. But yeah. After watching this weekend of football, I have determined that it is literally impossible to play defense in the National Football League anymore. It yeah. Is atrocious. These calls that the NFL referees are throwing down. Yeah. Absolutely awful. I'm going to start with the Jets and the Bengals. Yeah. Late in the game, the Bengals on third down are about to hold the Jets and get the ball back. The Bengals defensive player is diving, is already in the process of diving, and is about, you know, hip level with the running back. The running back lowers his helmet, and it ends up being helmet to helmet after the running back lowered his helmet, and it's called against the defense. It costs them the game. It's a 15-yard penalty, a first down, for something that the defender has no control over at that point and is doing everything right to simply make a play. And it costs them the game. Yep. Later on, we have back-to-back roughing the passer calls in New Orleans versus uh, Tampa Bay, where 
the Tampa Bay defensive lineman on the first one barely grazes um, Simeon's face mask, and it's a roughing the passer. And then the very uh, later in that drive, you have another uh, Bucks defensive lineman who's coming around, gets his helmet yanked off, by the way, and runs into the. I mean, uh, granted, it, he didn't need to run into the quarterback, but he just got his helmet ripped off. It's kind of hard to figure out where you are at that yeah, point. Yeah, exactly. And they call another pass interference. Where's the or, uh, roughing the passer? Where's the holding? Or the illegal hands of the face that caused his helmet to get ripped off by this offensive lineman. Yeah, you know, you see, that's the thing, and I always love talking about this because this this is so true. The NFL is is especially when it comes to referees, they are so ridiculous in the sense that th- th- what the goodness of how they do their job, their efficiency is is it's it's a day to day. It's like an injury. It's day to day because they, excuse me, can be so sporadic. They're always like, you know, oh my gosh! Remember that when that catch rule was going around, like, well, if 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 it bobbles, blah blah blah, and and, and it's it's not a catch, it is a catch, all that stuff. See, the problem with the NFL refs is that I honestly don't think that they really know what it means to call a game outside of what a rule book says. And what I mean by that is, whenever a rule is set in place. If they think you break it, they'll call it. Yes. They don't understand. Like you like you said, perfect example. They're not used to, well, what do we do if, you know, the guy was diving, but the running back was the one who lowered his helmet and it caused helmet to him. What do we do? Oh, well, well, it was helmet to helmet, and that's not a rule that we call against the offense. So, yeah, we're just going to call it against the defense. They're not used to doing stuff like, okay, perfect example, these pass interference calls where, okay, for those of you who haven't seen it, and I'm going to point this out, and then you can check back with me after you've watched YouTube clips, Rob Gronkowski has been breaking the offensive pass interference rule the, oh, his entire sure. career. When he does this, it's not extended so they don't see it, but he's doing this to push people off of mm-hmm. He's been doing that for years. They're not equipped to catch that. and when you But when you get into blatant stuff, like with the New Orleans Saints and uh, the Vikings, or no, it was the Saints and the Rams. Rams were, yeah. They, he, the they, Rams they, they nailed they that receiver, they was not even trying to play it. the ball. Yeah, They missed something like that completely, and I just think it's a problem that will never be fixed because you, there's only so many rules you can make. I think the NFL should allow referees to pick up flags more often or be more encouraging of them picking up yeah. flags. Because, like, imagine if you will, on that play, they throw a flag for helmet to helmet with the Jets Bengals game that I was talking about. Then they get together and discuss and they're like, well, the running back lowered his helmet. So is that really helmet to helmet? No, not really. Okay. Pick up the flag, wave it off. But I think the NFL, especially after a few seasons ago, when the interception uh, challenge rule came into effect for one season and there was challenge flags flying left and right over stuff that was obviously or obviously not pass interference. And the NFL took that rule out the very next year because they were like, oh, yeah, we didn't like that our referees were being called out that much. I was like, well, your referees are being called out that much because they are that bad. Yes. They are making those bad calls. Yeah, but see, that's the thing. And I think that that's a good point that you made. NFL referees are just bad. They're very bad because it's one of those things where it's like they're inconsistent, they're indecisive, and they ruin a game. Like, especially when it comes to a challenge call, like, was his knee down? Mm-hmm. Was, you know, was the ball out before? They're terrible with stuff like that. 
I've got YouTube compilation videos that I watch every week of worst calls in the NFL from week seven of the 2021 season. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, compilation videos of every week dating back like six seasons. But see, I, I think, and this is the thing, and I've noticed this, the referees do their jobs with a lot, in my opinion, too much. It's it, There's too much ego involved because... Yes. It's kind of like what you just said when they throw a flag and it's like, oh, that was the wrong call. Their ego will not let them take it up. Oh, even worse than that. I know you don't watch a lot of baseball, but umpires yeah. have the biggest egos. And if you even think about saying, are you sure about that? They will not hesitate to throw you out of the game. That uh, umpires are even worse than NFL referees. When NBA, it comes to NBA ego. refs are kind of bad too with that. Like you can't walk up to them and say anything. True. true. Like you can't even ask them a question or they will yeah. tech you. This is my because I think it's a it's a power trip in my opinion. When when you know that you have the power to, you know, I won't say decide a game because that's that's too extreme. But when you have the power to kind of control the tempo and the flow of a game. You kind of can get a little get a little crazy. And look, let's not act like referees have never helped any of our teams out in certain certain situations. But at the same time, when you get down to bad calls, man, it's just the NFL needs to do a better job. And you know they want to blame us for come for being like that's pass interference. What are you doing? Blah blah blah. They want to blame everybody else, but they have a terrible, terrible referee core. And I think it's one of those things where. They are, they're just not, they're they're very complacent refs in my opinion because it hasn't gotten any better. It hasn't changed. And like you said, it's gotten worse actually because it, like you said, it's hard to play defense. It is hard to cover someone yeah. without the fear of hand checking being called pass interference. It's, it's hard to run up on a quarterback and hit them. And then was that roughing the passer? Yeah. Well, you know, you did are I actively do something encouraged wrong? to not make a tackle now. Oh, without or, a doubt, yeah. Stand, uh, you are actively encouraged to not make a play because if you are even slightly off, like you could hit a guy in the upper chest, and if you slide up into his helmet, they'll call it. They'll every call time. it. You like you are actively encouraged to not make a play in the open field because the risk of a fifteen-yard penalty is just too much. Yeah, I I can't I I feel bad for for. Defensive players, because you, you know, at, and I'm, I know that the effort is to protect players. Yes, but you can protect them without diminishing the sport. Well, and here's my other problem. This is another thing that really grinds my gears. And I was watching this um, in the Arizona versus Green Bay game on Thursday. I think their effort to protect the players has actually hurt the defensive players' ability to play safely and to make tackles safely the it was a kickoff return and I believe it was the Packers returning and a Cardinals defensive player is flying in a kick cover player and he dives at the guy's leg because that's basically the only way you can make a tackle now and both of them got hurt because yeah, the, well, the, you take a knee to the, the head well yeah you take a knee to the head and he was out cold and the Packers player took a 200-plus-pound guy running full speed right into his leg. His leg was out. His knee was done. Yeah. And that ability to – and I, it, it really makes me worry for the future of football, too. Oh, yeah. Because I'm looking at this going, like, man, I, there's high schools that don't even practice hitting now. Like, do I want my kid running around hitting for the first time at game speed? No. 
it, it, it just keeps going up. Like these guys, like when you don't, there's, there is no substitute for game speed. No, there's just not. It's None. a different level. You can practice it at All 25% want, speed. It, it, at Yeah. But it it, just, it's totally different. It's different. And when you're not practicing it and practicing the fundamentals, you're going to have guys get hurt. You're yeah, going to yeah. have guys separate shoulders. You're going to yeah. have guys get stingers. You're going to have guys knock themselves out because they don't, they can't properly tackle anymore. Because if they try and properly tackle and get their face mask in the sternum, like we were taught when we were younger, yeah, if you slide up and hit them in the helmet, or if they duck their helmet, you're going to get a foul. Yeah, without a doubt. And I think that's one of the things that's in the sport of football and basketball with the flop rules and stuff like that. It takes you out of the game. Because yeah. I know that was one of the things for me with basketball that took me out, which was it's becoming, I said this and so, some people didn't know what I meant, but it, basketball became too political in the sense of, what? okay, what rule is this? Is this a flop? Is this a foul? He fouled me. No, he didn't. It just became too much. And then in the NFL, it's just like, that was worthy of a flag. No, it wasn't. They picked it up. No, it's not. No, it, it's just play the game, man. Just play the game. And it bothers me because it, it like it takes the fun out. There are people who don't watch football anymore because they don't believe that it's being played the way that, you know, it should be. It's the NFL. It's the no fun league. No fun. No fun league. Speaking of no fun, this next question, because I'm asking you a curveball here. This okay. next question is going to be no fun for you because you're going to have to answer it. It's going to be tough. Uh, so grinds my gears. Um, we have to preface ourselves here. We are not saying anything we're not trying to say anything offensive here but this is a good sports question sure do you believe that female sports will eventually reach the level of drawing power that male sports will because it grinds a lot of people's gears on both sides when people say yeah and then people will say no and then those people who say no are looked at as misogynistic it is a tricky question because if you look at something like the U.S. Women's National Team. I believe, on average, in their tournaments, they probably draw more revenue than the men's. The difficulty lies in their contracts and how are they negotiated there. Now, something like the WNBA, I'm sorry, but that is a league that is fully subsidized by the NBA. And they, can't, they just can't fill seats to go see a WNBA game. So without a huge boost from the NBA and without a it's it's part um part lack of it's a it's a it's a vicious cycle right because people aren't getting the seats so you're not going to fund marketing for it so nobody no. knows that you even have a team like I don't know how many people know that the Dallas has a WNBA team yeah um, that's true and so people don't go to games so they don't make money and so they don't market it and so people don't go to games and it's just a vicious cycle at least with the women's national team, the soccer team, they have had a lot of success, which has got some people more interested in it. But, but see, that's the thing. That's the weird thing with like women's sports, especially their WNBA teams. Like you said, that they are they can be successful. They can go all the way and win the championship, and yet no one will care. It, well, here's the we'll other, show up. I should say. Here's the other thing too. It depends on the sport, right? Um, so, men's soccer internationally is the most played and most watched sport in the world internationally. Yeah, internationally, yeah. Women's soccer, because, and you got to remember, as unfair and as tough as things are in America sometimes, there's a lot of countries overseas that 
don't even allow women to play sports. Yeah, but I don't think that can be an excuse for what goes on. No, here. but I mean, it. I just mean, it puts it, it does put things because into there's yes. country. Well, no, I'm I'm not even going from that way. I'm yeah. thinking, I'm saying because there's countries that don't even allow women to play sports, it's going to be hard for the women's World Cup to reach the level that the men's World Cup is just internationally. Yeah, and because of that, that does affect how it's viewed nationally, in my opinion. Yeah, I think if the, um quality of the game and the talent and you know if they're bringing in those viewers by all means increase the lat level but you also can't say well we have to throw a bunch of money into the WNBA when we're all it's already on life support being subsidized by the NBA and say that's going to bring it up to the same level I just don't think it is but and really women's basketball in other countries is just not popular either no so you don't it it makes a big difference when you're saying you know Yes, the WNBA plays for a championship, but they're also just playing other teams in the WNBA. But so kind of the question, the kind of reason I asked you that is because, and again, this is more society, but it involves sports and it, it's a conflict of interest in both. As far as it comes to be, does that make someone, and like I said, this is this is sports, so we're not going to get into the societal aspects, but does that make someone you know, old school or misogynist or nearsighted if they just kind of say, no, it, because let, let, let's face it. I'm not saying this for me. I'm just saying men's sports draw yes. and they do football. Well, we can't use that because girls don't play it as far as like a whole re a real league, not, not the leagues that you see on YouTube and stuff like that. But um, even though that is changing, there are becoming more serious women football mm -hmm. leagues, which I, I, I think is awesome personally. But at the same time, it, it, with the WNBA, perfect example, my mom will watch an NBA game faster than she will a WNBA game. It's just For there's sure. just no interest there. Right. And I think when, yeah, when it comes to, because I will say this, and this is 100% true, the NBA doesn't promote the WNBA nearly at all. Like, there's hardly any promotion for it. It's there is some, but it's not a lot. Right. And I think I agree with you. If you increase promotion and you increase money that you put into these places, then, yeah, sure. Because aren't the women just really playing in the same arenas as the men do, but they just don't <laughs> really sell it out? Because I don't really think they're going to give the a women separate arenas. Not all not all the time. Not they, all the I time. I mean, I think a lot of them play in, like, the G League stadiums. Yeah, exactly. But that, that's my point. Um, so you've got them going to these G League stadiums. And, you know, do I think that they could get there? Honestly... It's tough for me to say, and the reason we're bringing this up, folks, on Grind Our Gears is because there is a level of realism that is required in sports. That you should be able to talk about certain things that don't make you, that don't assume your character, basically. And do I think women's sports can get to the men level? I don't know, personally. I would like to see that, but at the same time, I don't can't say that it can. I think it's misogynistic to say that there is a zero percent chance. Now, yes, I don't think that there's there's zero percent chance, but you, like you said, you have to look at things as you know, the NBA first and foremost is a corporation. Yes, it puts on a basically. It's really more. I know it's a sports. Um, corporation, but you have to think of it as more of an entertainment corporation. Yes. They put on a show. The teams That's put on That's what sports is. It's still show. entertainment. Yes, it is entertainment. Every every sports league is an entertainment. So as a corporation that deals in entertainment, their first concern, for first of all, as a corporation, their first concern is how do I 
what how do I affect my bottom line in a positive way? Yes. How do I increase my positive my bottom line? And that's why I was saying about a self, you know, a vicious cycle and a self-fulfilling prophecy is they don't they barely put any money into the WNBA, which means people don't know that there's WNBA on, except for if they like scroll past it on ESPN two or something. Yeah. yeah. And then so they look at that and they go, well, obviously the WNBA is not bringing in any money. And somebody's going to look at that and go like, well, what if you put more money in? And they're like, well, that's going to affect my bottom line because I'm not going to see instant returns. But that's the problem with the corporation is that you are about instant returns and profit. Yes. Now, I think the U.S. soccer team is actually in a unique spot there, right? The women's leagues and stuff because they're not, I mean, the U.S. women's national team at least is the the U.S. football national like organization yeah. is not like a corporation. Yeah. And they can do these collective bargaining agreements with the players and they can have their own like league that's kind of separate. And because they're like a, and because the women's league is a soccer league that's not affiliated or subsidized by major league soccer, you have an opportunity to, to build, to build that league. More. And you know, yeah. and I agree with you on that. And, and 100%, it was a great response. Cause I agree with you to say that it will never happen is misogynistic because let and this is why we can prove it because we were talking about the u.s women's soccer team that's made it to the olympics won gold mm-hmm. medals and stuff like that and the world cup exactly yeah there is no bigger draw on olympic time than one woman simone biles there is no bigger oh, yeah. draw there is no bigger draw you so, telling me that the men's gymnastic team for no, america drew more than the women's nothing, not a chance not, not even gable Stevenson, who's a who's a draw a himself chance. yeah there is a no bigger draw when it comes to olympic sports than simone biles yeah and I think when it comes to just like tennis, there is no bigger draw than when Serena Williams is playing. Now you have your Nadal's and, and all this stuff, but you want to see Serena, and it's, mm-hmm. without a doubt, she is a, the best of all time and a champion. And Naomi Osaka now, she's a big that's hit everywhere. I'm, yeah, that's what I'm saying. There, there. So don't get me wrong. There are women draws in men's sports, and there are women that draw way more considerable attention, and it's not because of folks that they look good or whatever. It's because they're awesome at Mm -hmm. what they do. But when it comes down to something that's not tennis or gymnastics, even though those are sports, obviously, but when it comes down to sports like basketball, which I think is probably – because let's be real – that's the bigger one because other than that, you could say, yeah, women are drawing cards when it comes to like tennis and soccer and, and stuff like that. And like you said, soccer is the most internationally played sport worldwide. I assume basketball would be number two. I don't know. But because so, um, yeah. uh, tennis is played everywhere, too. So actually cricket might have something to say about that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the international numbers for cricket are. Yeah, but I'm sure they're playing more cricket over there than they are basketball. More than likely. Uh, But no, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like. I think it's like you said, and folks, with me being a wrestling fan, I know about promotion and branding and entertainment and and sports and how to combine all of that and push it as as a being a booker. When you're and it's just like you say, when you're a booker for like the NBA, I'm looking at it in wrestling tunnel vision. When you when you're a promoter, when you're a booker for the NBA, and you do things for the NBA, that is why when you look at females who grow up to be basketball players, they don't usually say, oh, I was inspired by Candace Parker or Sue Bird. They say, oh, I was inspired by like Kevin Durant and, and blah, 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 because it's one of those things where that's who they see routinely. That is who is booked to be on TV routinely as a drawing card yep. are your Durants, your Jameses and Jordans and whatever. 
And then when you try to throw in, yeah, but you know, like the Seattle women's basketball, nobody, nobody pays attention to it because they just view that as this is what this is. This is what basketball is doing when the men aren't playing, and that's the wrong way to look at it. But that's how the NBA is going to present it because at the end of the day, it's like you said, certain businesses are never going to want certain parts of their business to outshine others. The NBA will never, ever, and you could make a case that this is misogynistic as far as sports goes, but they're not going to want the WNBA to reach their level or surpass it, in my opinion. I would disagree if the WNBA is making a money. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. I think they would want, okay, I take that back. They would want them to reach that level because of money, but they would not want them to pass the NBA. I will never agree to that. If it was one of those ones where they could get the WNBA to a spot where they didn't have to basically pay for it to operate and could, like, put it off to the side, but still, like, own it. Yeah. And it was making money for them. I think they'd be all for that. Yeah. But, the, and, and and just be clear, folks, when I say I, when I say I would never agree to that, I'm not saying that I would never agree to the WNBA outshining the NBA, but I'm just saying I would not agree with a case that would, a case someone would make as far as why they would, because right. they won't. Do you really mean to tell me that they would want, and again, this isn't to knock women at all, but you, they would not want Candace Parker to outshine LeBron James. They don't. They would not want Sue Bird to outdraw Kevin Durant. They wouldn't. I just because again, who sells more jerseys? Who puts more money in the NBA's pockets? When we're talking about business and sports here, who puts more money where? If you have, because even though they may be hypothetically, even though they could get to that point they would still not be selling the amount of merchandise or shoe deals that those guys would, not because they're guys, but because of who's being promoted, who's being pushed. You see LeBron James everywhere. You see Durant everywhere. And we're not talking about like for like brands, just for advertising the games. But you don't see that with the WNBA unless it's like a special or like it's the championship or the playoffs. You don't see that. And you can only really catch that on little side swipes in ESPN television programs. So if they were able to get to a level to where, oh, people paid more attention to them than the men, I just don't think that that would be something that the NBA would want. Again, if they could do that, but then, like, kind of push it off. Well, here's here's the other thing, too. There's so many streaming platforms out there. You're telling me that the if ESPN went to the NBA and said, Hey, the WNBA is making a lot of money now and got a lot of viewers. What if we, you know, did an exclusive deal with you, the NBA, to stream the WNBA on ESPN Plus? That's different. That it, is the 100... NBA would be like, please take that our money. That is one hundred percent something that, that that would be great. Yeah, that would be fantastic. So, but it starts like. But yeah. when it comes down to okay, the Cavs and Warriors are playing. Uh, well, not Cavs and Warriors. I would hate that example. Uh, the the Lakers and the Spurs or whatever are playing on. ESPN, and then you've got the Thunder, no, not Thunder, the, the Warriors are playing like the Bucks on TNT, and then someone goes, yeah, but do you think we could put the Minnesota Lynx and like the Seattle, whatever their names are, on TNT at that time slot instead? They're not going to agree to that. They're not going to agree to that. Not now, but there's a world where it could happen. I'm not saying there's a world where it can't happen. I'm just saying as terms of business and as far as what they because you have to the NBA we can assume is predominantly run by dudes at this point. Yeah, and again, this is where you can make a case it's misogyny. They would not want 
that again, I don't know what they may or may not do. I'm just saying it. I'm not saying it couldn't happen. I'm just saying they wouldn't be a fan of it. Well, uh, again, it they would be a fan of it if it if they got to if, if they were equal. Line. Yes, but surpassed. I just don't think that if it just made them money again. This again is yeah, a, make them money. This yeah, is a corporation at the end of the day. Yeah, anything that makes them money, they're going to push. They're going to push, but. It has to start somewhere, and it's not going to start with the WNBA. No. It's going to take something like the uh, NWSL, National Women's Soccer League, to really take off and kind of cement itself as it. Like, dude, if the NWSL starts getting more people watching than the MLS, that is huge. Yeah. That would be a huge win. Yeah, without a doubt. All of a sudden, then, instead of having the MLS on... uh the on ESPN and stuff when on the off days where no, there's no other games going on or anything. Yeah. If you have the NWLS instead, that's a huge step up. I and also if, think if they, I also think not to cut you off, but I think if they stop doing, think about it like this, think about what you're talking about, which is great. But also think about if it's, it's kind of like what you just said, think about if they stop when nothing's going on, they stopped putting those women games on as to show, because that could show, hey, we're taking more pride in women's sports. We're going to put them on when stuff is happening instead of just because when you put something on as, OK, nothing's on here. Take this. Then people will get that and formulate in their brands. OK, this is this is filler stuff. But when you say, no, LeBron James is playing, but so is Candace Parker, that gets or as far as soccer goes, when you do that, that will still generate more interest yeah. instead of like, OK, LeBron isn't on. Here you go. The other problem is, though, is that every television network is a corporation or owned by a corporation. So they are, again, going to do what affects their bottom line, in which case the NBA is going to throw a lot is going to be able to throw a lot more money for an exclusive exclusivity deal than the NWSL for now. Yeah, for now. So. Really. It's on. <laughs> And this is going to kind of sound like it's just kind of shifting the blame onto somebody, but it's on the American citizens to, you know, drive that change. But it see, really that, is because that, that's where the difference comes. There will be a lot because there's not a lot of people like you and I, in my opinion, who would be like, "Oh yeah, totally." Like it'd be cool. There are a lot of people who are still, and, and again, ladies and gentlemen, this is a sports podcast. We're not here to say whether it's good or bad. Although we're leaning more towards it's bad. If you think. <laughs> That it wouldn't if you think that women's sports have no place being alongside men's. Oh, or, that's bad. Yeah, very, very, and we will definitively say that. But there, there, there comes something where it's like, like you said, it con it's coming down to us and yeah. and whether we want to see that. And mm -hmm. right now, as a society, I can't say that we do. If there's one thing that I've learned from having Twitter explode basically overnight, not actually overnight, but essentially, yeah, it's that corporations. Will are listening and will pay attention to whatever is the perceived popular thing going on in America. But that's my. But that's so, that's one of my problems is that do it because you want to do it. Right. You know, like for example, before the car, before there was this big deal about including women in in football and and and, and doing stuff like that. The Cardinals had already had a female be like a, a an interim head coach for practice and being on the team as a prominent role. They they were not. That's why I give the Cardinals a lot of credit. They were not doing it when it became a trend for 
uh, NFL teams to hire female people to be on board as far as like being like a, a coordinator or whatever. The Cardinals were already doing it. Yeah. And that's, in my opinion, how you show real change. Not when everybody's doing it and you're doing it as a PR stunt. Right. But th the way it starts is by a group of citizens actively committing and going, hey, I want to watch more women's soccer. So when women's soccer on, they make the conscious effort to swap their TVs, put on their phones, women's soccer. Because when that happens, then the networks go, oh, wow, there's a large demand for women's soccer. Let's we, put that on let's television. Let's put that on more. And then it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because then it, it, once it goes up and more people are watching it and then everybody's telling their friends, oh, hey, you know, you got to watch the, the women's soccer league. It's the hot new thing this year. That's how it starts because corporations are not going to change by themselves. No. Guaranteed. They have, it, it, look, no, money is the root of all of it. But at the same time, and see, this is this is where it takes all of us, is that, it, and this is not just a men things, ladies and gentlemen, there are women who don't want to see other women play sports. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, it's not just the, that's, that's the misconception. It is not a men-only thing. There are women, like I said, my mom with the WNBA, that have more interest in seeing the men play than the women play, and they view the women playing as second tier. And that is something... That is not, you can form your own opinion, but that is something that, because you, you can't call it misogynistic or women not supporting women. It's just one of those things where it's like, that's just where their interest is because yeah. that is the image that draws money. It all comes around to what draws money. Yep. If it draws money to put women's sports on, they will put it on. If it doesn't, because like you said, the WNBA is on a lifeline right now with the NBA funding it. If it doesn't draw money, they're not putting it on, and they're not going to promote it. If it draws money, they will. Oh, I mean, the let's not let's be clear here. The WNBA costs them money to operate. They yeah. operate at a loss with it. At this point, they do it just because it looks good, like just straight up. Yeah, it looks good to have the WNBA on yeah. for them, um, because they operate at a loss every or they operate that at a loss. They still make a profit, but they yeah. operate the WNBA at a loss to them, and I think. That that's fine. That's good. I think having the WNBA is a good thing. Yeah. And if you have to fund that, that shouldn't be an issue. If I honestly, I would not. I would be okay with the NFL starting up its own women's league and doing the same thing. Anything to get some kind of exposure that maybe people will get behind. I would love to see that. I've always wanted to see what it would be like to have girls in, in, in pad, women in pads, just to see. Because I, I, I've always believed personally, and this isn't to babyface myself, but I've always believed that you know women could could play football because mm -hmm. I, I, I like that visual. It'd be cool to see. But at the same time, uh, that's more now that is on more of male society in terms of can women play football or not and should the NFL start an, a women league or not. that That's total male society's problems because we don't think that they can. I'm not saying that, but my my <laughs> our, our gender thinks that, and that is a bigger deal. But when it comes down to basketball, that's a male and woman thing as far as like saying it's not as interesting. But again, because... The stars that are not known are the stars that people will watch fade away and they don't care about. And it just depends how you promote it, but it depends how people respond to what they already see. Like you said, if they don't feel like it's a draw, they're not going to push it like it's a draw. Right. Should we end on a happier note? We, we should. I feel like we might get some complaints. <laughs> yeah. Don't.
only just get I know that was a lot. Have you seen Cooper Rush's dad reaction to Cooper Rush winning? No. I really don't plan on it either. No, oh, come on. It's a great here. I got it right here. It's a it is a nice little uh Nice little video of him. He, look at the little wiggle that he's going to do here. <laughs> That's heartwarming. Good for him. <laughs> That's, Come on, man. I mean, no, I mean, good. No, in all seriousness, no, good. I mean, good for him. You know, watching your son win a football game is huge. So, not just win a football game. The Cowboys quarterback is like the position in NFL. Yeah. Or at least, you know, it, except for that period from like ninety six to <laughs> twenty fourteen, it it was. But say that again. It like and just to have your son win his first start and you're there, you get to watch and just you know you you may, thought maybe your son would never get to start an NFL game and then he wins his first one. It's heartwarming and I like the little kind of shake he does there. Yeah, yeah, because you do the same <laughs> thing, right? Oh yeah, oh, you, you do the wiggle, oh, man. If it was my son, I'd be cabbage patching. I'd be doing the running, man. I'd be pulling out the sprinkler. All these moves that the kids well, well, don't well, know. While about. you're sitting shoulder to shoulder with people, you're oh, I'm do throwing it. elbows. It'd you, be you, like you, a mosh pit. Yo, there. mosh. First of all, I gotta get. You're gonna mosh pit. <laughs> I gotta get game. some space first before oh, wow, I break out bro. the move. We we know you don't need no space, <laughs> Ryan. We know that. Oh man. Thank you very much, guys, for listening to the main event. It's been another fun one. A lot to talk about. Yep. A lot of good stuff. Yep. We will begin broadcasting again next week. Same time, same place. I'm Ryan Baldwin for Mason Shepard. Yep. Have a great night.